We're going to be Romans 1 for the second scripture reading. Romans 1, verses 18 through the end. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to this dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is a blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, excuse me, deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you, humbled and in awe of who you are. And we ask that as we gather together this morning, that your word would not return void as you have promised. That we would hear it, but that we would also do it. Challenge us to live authentic lives that follow after your son's example. We're so grateful for this opportunity to gather together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of this morning's message is The Voice. Now, how many of you remember a time in your life when you were younger, when you heard a voice telling you not to do something, yet you still did it? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay, now I'm a youth pastor, so the interaction is going to have to happen, or I will force it, okay? All right. So many of you raised your hand and said, yes, I, I remember a time in my life where I did something even though I knew I should not have. What if in our culture we were actually being taught how to drown out the voice of God rather than adhere to it? What if we were being taught how to drown out the voice of our Lord more so than to adhere to it? Now, most of you can shake your head and say, yeah, 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 I agree. But what about you? What about you? What if we were being conditioned to drown out the very voice of Christ? Let me read this quote to you. As darkness overtakes the mind, so impotence takes possession of the heart. When the still small voice of conscience is first disregarded, think the garden of your first sin, Next, it's thwarted and then systematically deadened. Thus, truth which God left in man no longer develops and is replaced. One more time. 
As darkness overtakes the mind, so impotence takes possession of the heart. When the still small voice of conscience is first disregarded, next it's thwarted and then systematically deadened, or you kill it. Thus truth, which God left in man, no longer develops and is replaced. How many of you, when you were younger, had your parents tell you, listen to your conscience, it won't steer you wrong? Anybody been told that before? I was told that all the time. Listen to the inside. Listen to what's being said in your heart. And if you adhere to that, you will not go astray. But the first time you sinned, just like the first time you wanted to touch the stove, but you knew it was hot. How many of you still touched the stove? We have this innate desire within us to go away from the Lord. However, we are built with a conscience inside of us. What we would see in the Holy Scriptures as the Holy Spirit. But when we turn away from it, we thwart it, and then eventually we kill it. And we're doing our own thing, living our own life, going here and there on our own will rather than the Lord's. How many of you have prodigals that are out there that you wish would come back to the Lord? Doing their own thing back and forth. We kill the voice of the Lord. Now, a little introduction to Romans 1. Now, Paul is not calling them out for their sin. He's writing to the leaders in order to actually say, I love you. If you read in Romans 1, the very beginning of that, he is saying, I cannot believe your faith. Your faith is talked about among every believing nation in our midst because of how awesome you are. He is actually bringing us back to this cycle of viciousness that is built within us. Because we're built with the voice of God in us, but we're all also built with the opportunity to go away from it. And what is the vicious cycle of sin? We love the Lord. He shows up. It's amazing. And then we sin. And then we get into a muck and mire where we can't get out of it. And then all of a sudden we cry out to the Lord once again. And he shows up. And he's faithful. And then we become faithless again. Anybody had that vicious cycle in their life? Okay, I have. All right. If we're not going to be honest in the room, we probably should leave. Okay. Everybody in here has had a vicious cycle in their life where they sin and repent. Sin and repent. Sin and repent. Because we turn off the voice of God. Let's pick back up here in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now I want to highlight something here. If you suppress something, that means it was already in existence from the beginning, correct? You cannot suppress something that has not already been. So it says the people suppress the truth. So the truth was already in existence. Do you remember the question? What if we were being conditioned to drown out the voice? What if? He is saying that definitive truth has always been. You saw Pastor Corey sit here and explain to us John chapter 1. 
And I'm going to read that again for us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Skip down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from this fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He was made him known. He's saying the truth that was in existence before the beginning was Jesus Christ. Now we would say we believe that, correct? We just proclaimed all of that. But do we know Jesus Christ? How many of you had a time this morning with your scripture? By yourself before you came here. How many of you have that on a daily basis? Let me ask you this question. How can you know Christ if you cannot read about him or spend time in communion with him? You see, this is fellowship. Can I come down? Will it? Okay. This is fellowship. This is not communion with Christ only. This is communion with others but we have got to have that communion time with the voice of God. We cannot give out what we don't have within us. And if you are not communing with him on a daily basis, how can you minister to the layperson on the street? How can you minister to those who need food? Church, we get stuck doing this in our own power and might. We could have a, an amazing church service. We could do all the liturgical, but if the spirit of the living God is not in our midst, we have failed. Have you deadened the voice of our Lord? Paul is calling out the same sin pattern, same sin cycle that we have seen for generations. And we sit in the church today going, this generation is wild and crazy. Anybody? So is yours. Why do youth leave the church? Because we have not given them a passionate God to live for. We have not shown them a living and active pursuit of the very word of the Lord. He was from the beginning. He was from the beginning. Verses 18 through 20 again. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Without excuse, Paul is almost mocking the individuals here. I'm going to bring it to our day and age. Creation and evolution. He's laughing at them going, are you kidding? Can you not walk out the doors and look at all of the creation and see 
of one God is sensible. But what you believe is comical. See, we think this issue of evolution was only now. But he's actually calling it out then. Because we know that there's always a counter-argument to every argument, correct? Now, we cannot argue for the Christian banner. How many of you say I'm a Christian? Raise your hand, okay, if you're a Christian, okay. We cannot argue for the banner that is underneath Christianity. There have been too many things that have been under that banner that have not been in the Lord's will. They've been in our own will. But you see, church, we don't have to argue for Christ. Christ argues for himself. We proclaim him through our life. To the way that we act with people. To the way that you interact with your spouse in Walmart or Target. Or if you like to shop at Meijer or Aldi or wherever you're at. Our relationship with Christ is through our relationships with others. And how we interact with them. The word. How could nothing create something? Is what Paul is saying. How in the world could you think or imagine that? Are you crazy? How many of you have ever wanted to say that to a science teacher? Students? Anybody? No? Okay. All right. Yeah. Are you crazy? They can say the same thing to us. But again, we cannot argue for the banner of Christianity. Christ argues for himself. Christ argues for himself. He's saying the idea of one supreme God is sensible, common, realistic. Realistic. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. It says they knew God. That means they knew him and they chose to systematically deaden his voice. How many of us have chosen to deaden his voice? Or how many of us suppress it? How many of you still make that same decision even though you know the conscience is telling you not to? How many of you have sinned this week? I did. I repented. I have accountability partners that walk us through those things. Don't systematically deaden the voice of the Lord. When we do, we start to become the Christians rather than Christ followers. Anyone, has anyone ever looked at their spouse and go, um, you're not that intelligent? Anybody? Don't raise your hand, you'll walk home, okay? All right, now I, I have this problem from time to time, and I'll look at my wife and I'll go, I'm not so sure that makes sense. Can we just be real for a moment, okay? I'm not so sure that makes sense. And I made the mistake at one time going, that was dumb. Okay, and that was dumb on my part, right? Okay, we all make those bad decisions, but Paul is looking at that same thought process. In wives, you do the same thing to your husbands, don't lie, okay? You do the same thing, or a friend. And you, that, that look, you go, just not sure. That's what Paul is doing here. When he's writing this letter, he's going, I'm just not sure you understand or comprehend. In church, I think he does the same thing to us now. 
We button up. We cut. This is a beautiful building. I love your guys' church. This is gorgeous. I've done a wedding here when I first moved to the community. It was beautiful. But if it becomes more about the beauty of the church rather than the beauty of his people, we missed the mark. We have missed the mark. And I'm going to speed up here, Pastor Corey. I'm sorry. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Remember the quote, when conscience is first disregarded, our hearts start to become foolish. How many parents in the room go, man, my kids are just foolish. Or we catch ourselves saying, this generation is foolish. So were you. And so are you. What we replicate is what ultimately they become. And that's a challenge to us all. I have eight children from 10 down to eight months. I coach football with 40 plus male athletes every year. We have a youth group of 75 students that we minister to on a a weekly basis. What we are and who we reflect is what they become. So my challenge to you is if you shake your head in disgust, maybe you haven't actually showed them how to listen to the voice. Listening to the voice and exchange the glory of a mortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In Roman and Greek culture, it was very pantheistic. So it was just emotion driven. Oh, I feel this way. Must be a God. I sense this. It must be a God. We do the same thing in America. We are a very Roman-like culture where we just do what we feel. How many of you are going to go out to lunch today after service? Anybody? Okay. How many of you went to breakfast this morning? We, did you have a plan? Or do you just leave and go, I'm just going to get this because I feel that way. We do that with everything. I feel this way. It can't be God if it doesn't make me feel good. I mean, God wouldn't want me to have an issue in my life, right? How many of you have heard that question before? How many of you have asked that question before? Have you ever read the scripture? Because they struggle every single day. Every single day. But what we talk about in the hall of faith in Hebrews, all we see is the end outcome without going back to the beginning and seeing their process through. Where they had to listen to the voice and do. Where they had to listen to the voice and disobey. Just like we do. We want the end outcome without the process from beginning to end. The voice will always be there, but it will not compete with Sunday afternoon football. It will not compete with basketball. It will not compete with anything in your life. Because he gave us free will so that we could choose him. And if you know the scores more than you know his voice, there's an issue. Coming from a football coach, guys. There was a time in my life where I knew the scores more than I knew my creator. Where I cared more about that than I cared about my creator. And women in the room, please don't feel like you're getting off. If you care more about what your face looks like with makeup on than you do about your creator, there's an issue. If you care more about how your kids present than what's going on inside, there's an issue. If you care more about work 
than you do about your creator, there's an issue. The very voice of our God. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies and among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You see this. He gave them up. But they exchanged. See this. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. It says they exchanged it, didn't they? Doesn't it? They exchanged it. They exchanged it. This is a voluntary departure from the truth of God. And I just asked you how many of you spent time in the word this morning, and I would say three of you raised your hand. You're voluntarily departing from the word of the Lord. You can still come to church and button up and look good, but you're voluntarily departing from the word of God. You don't know how to live a Christ-like life if you've never seen his life lived. He gave this to us to help us live a daily life with him. And we choose to voluntarily depart from it. We live in the same lie. We lose the sound of his voice. We depart from it. We are told we're the masters of our own fate. How many times have you been told that you can do anything you want to do as long as you what? Work hard. I think that that ideology, that dreamer's ideology has actually infected and infiltrated the church. There are more pastors that want to dream big and have a large church rather than be faithful with the call that God has given them. And vice versa. We get the, if we just work hard enough, God will show up. That's not how it works. God showed up and we run away. The vicious cycle of sin and repent. Sin and repent. We worship ourselves, others, the earth, the wind, dreams, work, anything other than the one who created it. How many of you have heard, why do bad things happen, God? Why do bad things happen? How can it be as darkness overtakes the mind, so impotence takes possession of the heart? When the still small voice of conscience or the Holy Spirit is first disregarded, next it's thwarted, and then systematically deadened, or we kill it. Why do bad things happen? Because of people. We kill the very voice of the Lord. We choose to touch the stove. We choose to grab this or that, even though within us it's saying, no, don't. Don't cheat on your spouse. Don't do those things. Don't commit that sin. Even in that context, we still do it. Even though our parents told us the stove was hot, we wanted to make sure for ourselves. And what did they say? I told you so. I'm here to tell you from God, the sin you're in, he told you so. He told you so. In church, we have to take off the jacket. we got to unveil the sin in our life. Stop being buttoned up and do church. Pastor Corey has a heart for this community. God gave him that heart. Trust in him. He has a passion for the word of the Lord that very few pastors have. 
and he trusts it to lead his life. Very few pastors have that. Right here. Thus truth, which God left in man, no longer develops and is replaced. We replace God's truth with a lie. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. To take pleasure in what is sinful and vicious is the last and lowest stage of human recklessness. When I first read this passion, passage, excuse me, it's easy to get caught up here, isn't it? How many of you got a little uneasy when I read that passage to start out? Anybody? Okay, a little uneasy. Why? We think this is only an issue in our culture, don't we? It's amazing how God already answered the question. I don't have to give you a, a once-over about homosexuality. It's already written. Hate the sin. Give grace to the person. And walk them through it. Give grace to the person. Hate the sin. And help them walk through it. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. But if you get caught up in this passage, you miss the entirety of this passage of Scripture. It is that they drowned out the very voice of their Creator. We can read through this because in our culture, we can see the issues that we deal with on a daily basis. They drowned out the voice. Why did they start sinning? Why did they go into these shameless acts? Because they drowned out the voice of the Lord. And nobody would stand there and say, this is a shameless act. But we're going to graciously walk you through this. Jesus caught a woman in adultery. Which is identified as the same sexual sin. Can I set this right here? The same sexual style of sin. And what did he do? He drew a line. And he said, go ahead. You without sin. Kill her. Now people, we forget that she was caught in the act. She was naked. She was shameful. And what did our Christ do? He told the truth. He spoke in truth to her. And then what did he say? Go and sin no more. Church, we don't do that. We like to pick up the stone, throw it at him. The fire extinguisher, hit him in the face. Anything that we can to make them feel less than the way we feel. To end, this is where we're at. As darkness overtakes the mind, so impotence takes possession of the heart. Think about your first sin. Close your eyes right now. Close your eyes. Trust me, I'm not going to throw anything at you. The first time you sinned, I want you to remember that moment where the Lord's voice was telling you no. The Lord's voice was telling you no. Yet you still chose it. The next phase of that, you can open your eyes. The next phase of that is it takes possession of your heart. Then you thwart it and just say, oh, I can do this, Lord. It's okay. I can get through this. I got a drinking problem. I can just get through it. It's no big deal. I can drink one more. I can do it one more time. 
I can control it. We thwart it. And then we systematically kill it. Thus, truth, which God left in us from the beginning, is killed. It's replaced. What have you replaced truth with today? We all replace it with something. My challenge for you is this. Paul is talking between two peoples right now. The righteous and the unrighteous. The righteous and the unrighteous. The difference between the true, or the two, excuse me, is those who suppress the truth and those who follow it. Those who suppress the truth and those who follow it. Now, suppression is not a total killing of it. It's a, no, I can just do it one more time. No, I can just do it one more time. Which one are you? What takes the place of truth in your life? Because just like they do, we choose to walk away. Let me pray for you this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, we ask that you would continue to open our hearts and our minds to your word. Let us remember that it's your word that does not return void. Let us go away thinking of what we could do differently. Who we could challenge, Lord. Who could challenge us. Let us do this life together. In Jesus' name. Amen.